We are all born with a purpose, yet identifying what that is can be very challenging. It can be even more challenging to find purpose in your business. So, is it possible to find purpose in your business and make profit at the same time? Not only is it possible, but a business led by purpose can be even more profitable than one that is simply led by profit. Join Robert Fukui as he explores how to be purpose-led and profitable while making a positive impact in your community. Okay, it looks like we're live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's uh, Robert Fukui. <laughs> and I uh, had a little two-month break, but welcome back to the Purpose and Profitability Podcast. This is Robert Fukui, your host. And what's where we believe that having a profitable, purpose-led business can lead to community transformation. And welcome back. I've had a two-month layoff here. Uh, started off, uh, just took a week break and then uh, kind of liked it. And so I decided to take the rest of the month and then one month turned to two. Um, it was a good time. I guess it was like a, almost, almost like a pre-summer vacation, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, and so, so now summer's here. It's, you know, the first week of July and um, ready to go. So anyways, I'm back and I decided, um, you know, part of the reason why I t- took the time off was to kind of figure out what I want to do the next six months of the year for the podcast. And so I thought I'd start um, this month, uh, well, really this next five weeks, really in a five-part series, the five keys to scaling your business. And so these are the, and every time I come and engage with a new client, you know, I'm always assessing the business and, you know, there's not usually just one issue that businesses face, which is causing them to not be profitable or just limiting the size of their growth. Uh, but it's usually a, a number of things. And uh, it's, it's not just marketing. Usually that's the number one thing they, they hire me for is marketing because that's my background and that's my expertise. But as they assess the business, there's usually at least one issue in every piece of the business that needs to be fixed. So if you really want to know how to scale and grow your business in a healthy way, in a sustainable way, then you want to pay attention to these five keys. The same five keys that I look for in every business um, that I become engaged with. And so um, please, hopefully this helps you uh, regardless of what stage of business that you're in, what stage of the life cycle that you're in, um, whether you're just in startup mode or you've been in business 30, 40 years, I believe these five keys will uh, pertain to you, at least one of them, <laughs> if not if not more than one or all. So today we're going to talk about key number one, and that is uh, you, the business owner, is key number one. And so the title, I guess, if you want to call a title for this key number one, would be get out of the way. Um, in other words, a lot of times what I see is the business owner, and I'll put myself included, um, is usually the impediment to growth. It's usually We're usually the backlog. Let's, let's be honest, because everything really, um, you know, the, I think it was, I forgot what president it was, or maybe it was a general that said, um, the buck stops here. Or maybe it was Winston Churchill, I'm not sure. But anyways, you can Google it and find out who the, who the author of this quote is. But, you know, the buck stops here. And, you know, it means that good or bad, success or failure, um, I'm the issue. The owner is the issue. At the end of the day, the owner is the issue. And even if it's somebody else's mistake within the organization, but at the end of the day, you have to be, you have to hold yourself responsible. So um, getting out of the way is where you need to start to identify how we're going to grow this business. 
we could talk about the marketing marketing and systems and hiring and firing and all that stuff, all that good stuff. But it really boils down to you and your leadership ability. And one of the things is to be able to relinquish control of things that you shouldn't be controlling. Because after all, you know, if your business is going to go from startup to a $10 million a year business, you can only do so much. And you can't control everything as much as we like to. And I think when we, giving up control, I think, you know, there's a lot of fear that sets in because things don't get done um, and, and, or things don't get done the right way. Uh, you know, well, that's one of the challenges as a leader is that when you're hiring somebody or when you're training somebody to do a certain task, especially a task that you've already been doing, you start to measure them and their performance against the way you do things. And the fact of the matter is, uh, there's usually more than one way to get something accomplished, right? It's all about results. So what you as the owner need to be worried about is the results, not necessarily how it gets there. Because after all, this person that you've hired, they're the ones that are going to be doing this thing day in, day out. So it's better for them to figure out something that works for them than for you to mandate everything. Now, I'm sure depending on the task, especially when it comes to finance or whatever, there are certain parameters in which everybody needs to operate on or principles need to operate on. But at the end of the day, um, you know, allow the person that's doing the work um, the, the flexibility to do it the way that makes it efficient for them and makes it the way that they can do it. Now, again, the caveat is obviously you just can't let everybody just do whatever they want. But at the end of the day, there has to be results. Well, do you get the results in the time that you need it? I think that's the bottom line you need to measure things by. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> so number one, so the key number one today to scale your business, number one, you as a business owner, get out of the way. So how do you do that? So the first thing is to assess your strengths and weaknesses. So you might have, I don't know if you've taken a DIST test or Myers-Briggs or something like that, but I would really um, encourage you to do some of these different personalities and gift and skill assessments and even to take, uh, maybe even survey your own company, your own team, or if you're married, your spouse or people that are close to you to ask them, what, what are my strengths and what are my gaps? Yeah, what am I really, really good at? Especially when it comes to the business, what am I really, really good at? And what are areas that, well, you just can assume whatever they say you're really good at or whatever you determine that you're really good at, then you can just assume everything else you're not as good at. So those are, that's more of a gap or a weakness. And then, so once you ascend, uh, basically identify what you're really good at with an organization, the thing that really uh, what you enjoy, you're good at, and it really leads to productive growth in the business, so for some, as a business owner, usually they're very good. I mean, they're usually good visionaries, right? Business owners, you're, you're usually good just a visionary, just imagining, envisioning what's to become or what's to come. What is the next step? What are you, what are you, what are you working towards? And maybe you're really good in the sales aspect. Maybe you're really good at the actual doing of whatever um, service that you're offering or even the building of or production and the things, but assess your strengths and then say, okay, what are the things if I can commit hundred percent of my time to just doing that, is that going to lead to the growth of your business? Right. And if it's not that, then what's another thing that you're really good at that can lead if you spend hundred percent of your time can lead to growth of the business. 
And it might just be more sales or it might be more just research and development. You know, who knows? And then from there, you got to fill in the gaps. How do we get other people? How do you hire, whether it's W-2 employees or contractors, get the right people in there to fill your gaps? So you may not be able to spend 100% of your time on these duties, but that's, that would be a goal, right? So figure out what your strengths are, and then write down all the other things that you do on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week, month-to-month, that are preventing you from working in your strengths. I think uh, there's an author that talks about uh, working in your, well, you've heard the term stay in your lane. So what are you really good at and just stay in your lane do that? Um, so anyways, what are, you, what are you really good at? And then what are the other things that are getting in the way, like administrative work? Um, maybe too much management and overseeing and micromanaging. You know, let's be honest with yourself is what are the things that you're doing that are preventing you from working in your strengths? And then how much would you pay someone for that job or jobs, right? Most likely, like all business owners are doing so much, that's the equivalent of three or four other um, employees. Now, you may not have the capacity to hire three or four more employees yet, but at least start with one. And you may, depending on the size of your business, maybe if you're in start, especially if you're in a startup mode, that maybe you hire some contractors because you may not have full-time work and maybe a little less than part-time work, but you need maybe 10 to 15 hours a week. So maybe hire a contractor to do certain duties, right? Now pay attention to the, the labor laws because you got to make sure you're, you know, these people are really contractors and because once you start mandating hours and um, you know being having to come in the office or something like that, you know, then you're running into more of a W-2 employee. But wherever you can, if you can start with contractors, great, like bookkeeping and accounting. Those are things you can outsource very easily, right? So it's, it's so much better to pay somebody to do the things to free up your time to do more things that are productive. Like I had a, a client a while back. Um, they design custom furniture or custom cabinetry is what it was. So they were thinking, or he was thinking, about you know, him and his partner were thinking about hiring another designer so they can do more, well, design work, right? Makes sense. That would increase their capacity to do more design work. But then I asked him, okay, what do you do? It's just the two of them in the shop. And I asked, well, who, who answers the phones? They said, oh, we do. Okay, who sets all the appointments? They do, of course, because both the partners were both designers. <laughs> so, and so then I said, okay, when... When the cabinetry comes into the warehouse, who unloads and stocks and all that? Say, we do. I said, okay, well, here's your issue. You don't need more designers. You need more, a pers- at least one person to handle you know, receiving, sh- receiving the shipments and to answer the phones. These sort of things that will free up your time to do more design work. Why pay somebody, a designer, 70, 80 grand a year when you can be hiring people to do some of the stuff you shouldn't be doing anyway, $15, $20, $25 an hour. I mean, even at $30 an hour, right? Just to free up that additional time for them to do more design work will increase their capacity. So they didn't. So you've got to understand, you know, when you start looking at hiring people, make sure you're hiring people for the right reason. So first, the first thing you want to do is hire people for things that are lower on the pay scale, Okay. And so that will free up your time to do more productive work or some of your other people on your team to do more work that's productive because maybe some of your salespeople or some of, maybe some of your managers are doing 
other things, I'm doing a lot of busy work too, that you can be hiring somebody else at a lower cost to do those things. And then if you, so, and then if you already have a team, maybe you don't need to hire more people, but maybe you just need to reshuffle the personnel. So once you've assessed your strengths and weaknesses, do the same thing for your entire staff. Because most likely, you may find that there are people in a certain job or certain position that you have them in that maybe aren't as, are really not really good at it or not as skilled at it. Now they're doing it because they can do it, but maybe they're not as skilled at it and they probably, maybe they don't enjoy it as much, but maybe there's another uh, job in the business that they may be more best qualified for, suited for, best skilled at, and then they would enjoy it more because they're good at it. And then they'd be more efficient at it. Right. So whenever you enjoy something, whenever you're good at something and you enjoy it, you're really also more efficient at it as well. So I would highly recommend that you assess your team, the strengths and weaknesses to find out if you have the right personnel in the right position. Right. You've heard about getting the right people in the bus. Well, it's also getting the right people on the bus, but in the right seats on the bus. Okay. So that's the other thing. So you might have to hire people, hire employees or contractors, or maybe just need to reshuffle personnel. But also keep in mind that you need to be conscious about continually training your team to become better at what they're already doing. Become not just even better at their skill, but just even uh, giving them more well-rounded um, training uh, around leadership issues, communication issues, right? Things that will impact the day-to-day of their, of their job. It might not be directly related to the skill that's involved to what they do. But there might be related to some of those quote-unquote soft skills, like communication and leadership and all that, that would help them as well. And then once you have the right people in the right seats and they're trained, you got to give up authority. you got to allow them to do things. you got to allow them to be creative and innovative in their position. You know, that's one of the things Apple prides themselves in a lot of these big tech companies like Google is they try to hire the right people, the very skilled people, and then just give them room to be innovative. To, to make improvements, right? Because no, there's no business that's perfect. I don't care how big the business is. I don't ca- care how long it's been around. I've worked for companies that have been around for 100, over 150 years. And they're making you know, tens of billion dollars a year, but we're all, they're always looking for ways to improve. Because let's face it, what's working today may not be working tomorrow. What may be in today will be out tomorrow. Whatever technology you're using today is going to be totally outdated. I mean, literally tomorrow. <laughs> so, so, you know, once you have the right people in place and train them, really give up the authority and let them innovate. Let them be creative. And then create an organizational chart and identify up to three team members that you want to develop into key leadership roles that do, you do most of your communication through. And we'll get into that in one of the other four keys, which is organizational structure. We'll spend a little bit more time on that topic. But create an organizational chart. I don't know how many times I have a client, they don't have a formal organizational chart. And a lot of times when I interview the staff and I ask them, what are things, what are some gaps that you see in the organization? And, you know, what needs, you know, what would you do to improve it? And so, uh, the, one of the things that I always hear that is very common is the lack of defined roles and responsibilities. Now, the business owner and leadership might say, well, you know, we're so busy. Everybody's got to wear different hats. Well, if, if that's true on a day-to-day basis, then something's wrong. 
then most likely you have a lot of overlap in duties that you shouldn't. You should, why don't you just have people that are really good at doing one thing? And instead of having everybody doing everything, you know, structure it like, like the companies that, like the, look, the large the reason why large companies scale the way they are is because they have defined roles and responsibilities to get people in a, in a position, in a job, and they just allow them to concentrate on just that one thing or two things, whatever it is, which makes them more skilled and an expert in that area, which makes them more efficient, right? If you had three people doing five different duties within the organization, well, why don't you just have three of those people concentrated on one or two things? That'll reduce the amount of overlap that's going on. And when, especially when there's multiple people doing the same thing, there's most likely going to be some breakdown of communication. And then as, as me as a, or the customer, even internally, who do I go to, to to get this one thing done? Because there's multiple people doing the same thing, right? So what happens is a lot of times everybody's getting their fingers in a lot of different things and you're, you're, there's a lot of breakdown of communication. And so create an organizational chart and identify the three team members you want to develop in those key leadership positions. But, so basically, even if you're a small business, you're creating your vice presidents in a sense. Those are the three people that you're going to have them manage everybody else as opposed to you trying to do everything, lead the company and manage. We want to work into the position where you're just more mainly leading the company, not leading and managing because most likely you're not good at both. Okay. In fact, this is one of my clients recently had to say, you're a great visionary, you're a great leader, very bad manager. <laughs> so, so we did the same thing. We created this organizational chart. Who are the three key people? Okay, they're the vice president of, or, uh, of uh, operations. Here's the vice president of construction. Here's the vice president of, you know, finance. You know, whatever the case may be. So, um, so I really encourage you to get that organizational chart developed and uh, and and stick to it. So I hope that helps. These are the one key, but there's uh, subcategories to that one key. So key number one today is get out of the way, and how to do that, how to, you know, how, how as you as a business owner, find ways to get out of your own way, get out of your own business way so the business can grow is number one, focus on your strengths and then give up the rest, right? Focus on your strengths, give up the rest. That's number one. Number two then is assess the rest of your team and reshuffle if needed. Put the right people in the right seats on your bus. Number three is continuous training. And number four is give up that authority, relinquish that control so that your team members can be innovative. Because like I said, you're really good at one or two or three things, but you're very poor or just mediocre at everything else. So hire great people that can do those other things. They're more skilled at it anyway. So most likely they're going to find a better way to do the same task that you were doing. What was taking you three days might only take a day or maybe three hours <laughs> with the right people, right? So give up that authority. And then the last one, number five, is then identify your top three leaders that you're going to build up and develop over time. Okay, so that's uh, key number one for today. And then uh, we're going to go over the next four weeks. We're going to go over keys numbers two, three, four, and five. It's around finance is key number two. That's an area that most business owners are very poor at. So we're going to talk about it. I'll try to simplify it as best I can. And number three is marketing. And number four is organizational structure that we, we, that we, talked, we started talking about today. And then number five is succession and exit. So why is succession and exit a key to growth? Because you're thinking about that as the end game. Well, you'll hear more, um, especially if you heard my interview with Pat Annis a few weeks ago. 
talking about succession and exit, you'll start to understand, uh, get a snippet into understanding why planning for succession exit now is also key to growth, long-term growth. So thank you once again for listening to the Purpose and Profitability Podcast. If you have a business question or topic you'd like to hear more about, email me directly at prosper at i61businessdevelopment.com. That's prosper at the letter I, the number 61, businessdevelopment.com. Or go to the Facebook page, Purpose and Profitability. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, and um, tune in again next week as we talk about finance. All right. So remember, purpose plus profit equals transformation. All right. God bless everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. For more information, please visit purposeandprofit.com.